Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Come on. I don't know how bad your week was, how bad things may be in your life, but you are here. It is Sunday. It is the Lord's Day. You have made it. You survived another week. Today is the first day of the week. It's not Monday. It is Sunday. That is the official first day of the week. God made it that way so that you would start every week with Him first. Amen. So let me prepare you this week as we open up our Bibles and remain standing with me, please, in reverence to the Word of God. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 23. 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 23, and this is what the Word of God says. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And when David heard that, he was like, what? <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the man's entire family will be exempted from taxes. So I get a woman and I get to pay no taxes? Sign me up, right? And David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? These men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. You see, David wanted to make sure he heard right. So he says, so you mean to tell me that if I kill this giant, that's the reward? These men gave David the same reply. David said, yes, that's the reward. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he got angry. What are you doing here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing three times, and he received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to the king, King Saul. And the king sent for him. We guys, we know the rest of the story. But this giant that David faced would be the, the ultimate trial, the ultimate test that would launch David into his destiny. It would launch David to become the man God created him to be. Before we pray, I want to ask you this question. How many of you want to be the person God has created you to be? To reach your destiny. This morning, I want to preach to you a two-part message. Not a series, but a two-part message. Because this topic is so thick. We have to break it down in two. I want to preach to you this morning the subject, Take break, and make. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name, I pray. Apart from you, your word says we're nothing. So with my nothingness, I ask you, Lord, to use me. Bless us today. Help us to learn, open our hearts to apply this to our lives, to become more like you, Jesus. We surrender this time to you now. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into this two-part message, take, break, and make. Becoming the person God has called you to be. I thought about this earlier on in the week. I usually start off my day the same way. How many have a routine every day? How many are routine people? 
You just have, you can eat the same thing every day. It's not a problem. Do the same thing. It's not a problem. How many of you cannot do routine? You're like, I need change. I need something different. We're all different. I like routine. I could eat the same thing for breakfast every day the rest of my life. I do not really care. So I have this routine that I get up in the morning and as I get up, I have to make my coffee. As I make my coffee, everyone knows, don't bother him, don't talk to him, don't do anything until I have my coffee first. I need my, I love my black coffee in the morning. I, my mind's not all there in the morning. And really, you, you talk to me, but I'm not really listening, whatever. So I sit down with my coffee. Usually I, I'd sit down like clockwork. I walk into the living room. I get to make my coffee. My mom is there. She has just wrapped up spending time with the Lord with my dad. They're reading the Bible. It's a good example for me to wake up to, by the way, amen? So as I go into the kitchen, I make my coffee, I sit down, and I watch the news for a while. I do. You don't open up your morning with God in the Bible? No. Why? Because my mind is not working. So I sit down for a little bit. I watch the news, find out what's going on so I can get some information to know what to pray for. And then I go and I sit down with the Lord and I spend many, many hours in the day with Him there. And as I was spending time with the Lord, I started reading this passage. I started thinking about that routine. And as I was making my routine eggs for breakfast, I started thinking about this, but I always have this question in the morning, what type of eggs do I want to make? Because I, I like either egg whites or scrambled or sunny side up. Poached, I don't know about that. But I have a desire for eggs, but I want to know what is it that I want to make. So some mornings, I'll crack the egg and I'll, you know, make some scrambled eggs. And what I do with the egg, I just take it and I start scrambling. You guys get the point. Other mornings, I get up and I'll make an egg white, so I got to be more delicate. So this is my strategy, you know, I, I move it back and forth, get the yolk out and I toss it and throw it away. Sometimes I just crack it, I don't scramble, I don't do anything, I just let it fall. The point is, as I'm going through this routine, I have a desire for eggs. But even though all the eggs are the same as I look at the carton, I have a different purpose for each egg. So I'll take one egg and I'll say, I want you to be scrambled. I'll take another egg and I'll say, I want you to be sunny side up. I'll take another egg and I want you to be, you know, an omelet. And I want you to be an egg white, whatever the difference is. And let me explain something to you. That is a picture of what God does to us in our lives and in the church. When you look at people in the church, we say these two things. God loves us all the same. Amen. Hallelujah. It is true. God is love, and you can't add to it, you can't take away from it. So because God is love, He loves us all the same. In fact, God doesn't love me more because I'm a pastor, just like He loves you less because you're not. God's love is the same for all of us. But see, even though God's love is the same, none of us are the same. Have you seen our church lately? Have you seen the people? And I mean, I look at the people and I say, man, how do they get along? They're so different. We have quiet people. We have shy people. We have loud, loud people. We have some crazy ones I'm praying for. We have some hyperactive ones. We have some calm ones. We have some, some people that are strong-willed. We have some that are passive. Everyone is different. Everyone is unique. So though God loves us the same, he has uniquely made us differently because all of us carry, by God, a different purpose, a different will, a different desire. So what I love about this, though, is that before I could even, even though I have a desire, let's say for scrambled eggs, there's Two things I need to do. I need to first take it from the carton and then I have to break it. You see, this is what God does to all of us. 
Before God can fulfill His desire for your life, before God can fulfill His will and His plans for you, and a lot of us pray, Lord, show me your will. Tell me what to do. Do something with my life. Use me. But let me tell you that before God can use you, bring you into your destiny, He has to do all of us this one thing He does to all of us. He has to take us and He has to break us. And then he can use us. So before God can make you, he needs to break you. And before God can break you, he needs to take you. So this is what God does to a lot of people in the Bible that became what God had called them to be. You think about people like Abraham. God had called him to be a, the nation leader of Israel. The first one, a, a blessed man. But before God can even bless Abraham, in the Bible, you see that God had to take him out of his own hometown. God had to take him out of his own family. Let me explain something to you. In order for God to do his will in your life, sometimes he has to take you away from people. Sometimes he has to take you away from some family members. Sometimes there's some breaking he needs to do in your life. So he got Abraham and he said, listen, this town you're living in, this family you're with, they're a stumbling block to what I want for your life. So he took Abraham and he led him elsewhere. You think about a woman named Rahab. She was a prostitute. She was up to no good. She was a girl of the streets. But let me tell you, the Bible says that Rahab knew that God existed. She wanted more out of her life. And when God did this amazing destiny in her life, what's interesting is that she had to leave Jericho. God had to take her out of Jericho. And he had to break her of some bad habits. He took her from Jericho and he broke the habit of sexual sin in her life. And he used her to bring forth generation after generations later, Jesus Christ. Think about that. You think about Peter. God had a call in his life. It wasn't that God loved Peter more than anyone. He just had a plan for his life. But in order for God to actually bring Peter into his destiny, he had to take him out of his town, take away his fishing business, and he had to follow Jesus. And Jesus, throughout this journey of three years of walking with him in a relationship, Jesus would have to break him of pride and racism and anger he had a lot of breaking to do, but ultimately God used him and he became the man that God had called him to be. So before God can even make you into your destiny and bless you with the calling he has for your life, he needs to take you. And the problem is we want God to make us without taking us. He say, no, I want to stay where I'm at. I want to stay in my sin. I want to stay doing what I'm doing. And God says, in order for me to make you, I need to take you. You need to surrender your will over to God. It means, Lord, if you need to take me, I'm yours. If you need to take this away from me, I'm yours. If I need to leave this, I will. If I need to leave them, I will. Whatever it is, let your will and not my will be done. See, all of us want God to use us, change us, make me into a better person. And God says, I want that for you too. But you have to let me take you. You have to let me break you so that I can remove things from your life that don't belong to what I'm doing in your future. It'd be clueless for me. This is how I don't make an egg. I don't just grab an egg and put it on the pan and expect something good to come out of it. Whatever your style of eggs may be, whether hard-boiled, scrambled, sunny-side-up, poached, whatever, it has to be taken and it has to be broken. And I believe that God is telling our church, I want to take this church to a higher destiny. I have greater plans for this ministry. But I need to take this church, 
I need to break this church in order for me to make this church into what I've called it to be. And through the years of this church ministry, we have been broken. We've been broke. We've been broken. We've been breaking. But I believe that before God can make you, He needs to break you. And in order for Him to break you, He needs to take you. We love to say, man, God loves you all the same. And it's true. But God loves you so much. He'll take you as you are. I hear it all the time. God will take you as you are. That is so true. He will take you from where you're at in your life. Somebody think, oh, God can never use me. Why? You'd be the first. He can take you from the street corner. He can take you from the bar. He can take you from the motels. He can take you from the addiction. He can take you from the sin. He can take you from the clubs. He can take you from anywhere. And He loves you. And He'll take you just as you are. Let's take a praise break. Come on, praise Him for that. He'll take you just as you are. But here's the upside that we've turned it into a downside. He'll take you as you are. But because He loves you so much, He will not allow you to remain as you are. And that's, listen, this is where we're getting it, where we're getting it wrong in the church. We preach, God loves you, you're all the same. God has a plan for your life. He has a calling, blah, 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 blah. I get that. And God will take you as you are. But see, the church has forgotten that God in His love cannot allow you to stay remaining where you are. Because that's not real love. And we have a church that wants to preach tolerance to sin. That's not love. Real love is saying, you're wrong, this needs to change, so that you can become the person God wants you to be. But see, churches like ours and pastors like me will be accused of being racist or bigots or hypocrites. But see, because I love you so much and God loves you even more, you can't remain where you are. So yeah, he loves us all the same. But he has a different plan for your life. And everyone in the Bible that became what God had called them to be, allowed themselves to be taken from God, taken by God, broken by God, and made by God. And there's no greater example of this than, I believe, in King David. See, most Davids are spiritual and strong, good-looking men. And I love David. <laughs> Because David, we know him as King David. But before he was King David, he was no good shepherd David. David, if you see anyone in the Bible that could not be used, that you would look at and say, what will God ever do with them? Believe it or not, it would be David. David's life, David became the king of Israel, but it didn't happen overnight. The Lord had to develop him and break him. See, David's life was not easy. And we want our lives to be easy, and we want God to do something great. But what God says, and I've seen this in my own life and in the lives of so many people, the people that God does great things to, are people that never had it easy. It wasn't given to them. David's life was not easy. He was the youngest 
of eight brothers. Just think about that. And that meant that if his father died and they were going through the inheritance because he was the lowest and the youngest, he would practically get nothing for his future. David came from Bethlehem. The smallest, most useless town ever. It was like living in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere. And if you're Kentucky, that's great. But listen, it's like being out in the country. David was a country boy. Out in the middle of nowhere. He was a shepherd that in that culture, being a shepherd was not the highest of professions. In fact, shepherds were considered pretty much low lives. And the only reason that your father would ever say, hey, I want you to be the shepherd of the family is because not only was it a low job, but it was a dangerous job. And many shepherds were killed by thieves and animals. So when your father chose you to be the shepherd of the family, he was saying, I want you to do this because if something would happen to you and you would die, it really wouldn't affect my family. So I want you to do this dangerous, useless job because if we lose you, we don't lose anything. He was rejected by his father. He wrote in the Psalms, he's a father to the fatherless. So even though he had a father, he felt fatherless. He was counted out. When Samuel came, he was counted out. They didn't even bother to bring him in. Why? Well, it's not because he was the youngest. We all say that it's not true. But is that we, but we believe that he wasn't even counted because... David, he wrote in the Psalms, I was conceived in sin. And we believe that somewhere in David's parents, there was an affair. And we believe that it was his mother because his mother has no mention. There is no mention of his mom, which is odd. And it would make sense that maybe his wife committed the affair and David was not really the biological father of his father there in the presence of Samuel. So when Samuel came into town, it was a, a big deal. It's like when the pastor comes over your home. And what do you do when the pastor comes over? You clean up. You make sure you put the spiritual things up. Bible on the table? You want to make sure that you look presentable and spiritual? And that's what happened in this case. Samuel goes over to their house and they say, don't even bring David. Why? Well, because you know if he sees David, he's gonna, he looks different than all of you. You know, David, the Bible says, was a, a redhead. Maybe he looks so different from his family that people would know something happened. And we can't let Samuel know that we're a dysfunctional family. So don't even bring the boy in here because if Samuel finds out that our family's not perfect, he's going to get really mad. So they left him out. You see, David was, had a dysfunctional family, lived in the wrong neighborhood, was rejected by his family. But what I love about Psalm 78 Verse 70, it says this. It says, he chose David, his servant, but, and he, say it with me, and what? Took him from the sheep pen. Are you grateful for a God that will take you out of your sheep pen? He took him from the sheep pen, and he brought him to the kingdom. But he had to take him and break him in order to make him into the man he was called to be. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him, talking about his brothers. 
The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. Is that not true? Is that so true of our culture today? We're all looking for the outside appearance. What we wear, what we drive, where we live, how good looking we are, how talented we are. And we take these things and we say, man, they have a future. God's going to use them. Look at how amazing they are. God says, don't consider that. Why? Because that's not how I do things. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God was looking at the heart. And as he was looking for the heart of a godly man, what is it that exactly he was looking for? What is it that God wants to look for in all of us? Is it talent? Is it knowledge? 1 Samuel 13, 14. But now your kingdom will not endure. He was talking about that to Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader to the people. What is God looking for? A man or woman after his own heart. You're thinking, Pastor, what does that even mean? Acts 13, 22. But God removed Saul and placed him with David, a man about whom God said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want. Come on, say that with me. He will do everything I want. That's what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Everything that I do, Lord, I want to do everything, not that I want, but what you want for me. Being after a man or a woman after God's own heart. It means, Lord, I want to align my desires with yours. I don't want to live for what I want. I want to live for what you want. That's what God is looking for. And when you have the right heart for God, there is no telling what God can do in your life. There is no limit to what God can do in your life when you're a person after God's own heart. When you're after and you're saying, everything I want is what God wants. I don't want to live for what I want. It's not about me and my desire and my pleasure. It's not about what I want out of life. No, out of this life, I want what God wants. What do you want from me, God? What do you want me to do, God? Lord, whatever you want, you can trust me. I'll do it. That's who God can bless. Because sometimes what God wants may not be what you want. Some of you, let me tell you, maybe you did not want to come to church today. Maybe. But God did. Maybe after service or during the end of the service, maybe you don't want to tithe today. But God wants. Maybe there's someone in your life you don't want to forgive, you don't want to treat kindly, but God wants. Becoming who God has called you to be means you have to go after His heart. It means that, Lord, whatever you do, I want to align my life with yours. But see, a lot of us, we want God to use us and we want God to change us and we want God to do something out of our lives, but we want to do what we want. And God cannot take you if you're going to live only for you. God cannot use you if it's all about you and what I want. And this is a time we're living in. It's all about what we want. It's all about what I desire. And a lot of us don't even put God first in our lives because it's about us. 
See, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, if you grew up in a broken home, if you grew up and you were rejected, if you're not the most talented, if you're not the brightest, can I just tell you right now that if you would just align your heart with God's, He can use you more than anyone else that's the opposite of that? God can use you more than you've ever imagined. You can become greater. You can become the person God has called you to be. But notice what made David different from everyone else. Notice what made David different out of all his brothers. His brothers were smarter, stronger, better looking, and taller. Ladies, his brothers was everything you're looking for in a man. But a real man is a man that's after God's own desire. And I'm afraid today in our society, if we would have been in that house, in that living room, you would have told God, that one. Why? Well, because he's darker and he's more handsome and he's taller and, you know, he's smarter. But see, even though David was counted out, came from a broken home, he said yes to God. Desire to do only what God desired. And that's why David lived a life of a mighty strength. If you want to become the person God has called you to be, we have to go after God's own heart. But that's not what we're after today. If you get honest with yourself, you get honest with who you are in reality, you're not after God's own heart. You know, those empty chairs right there are people that aren't after God's own heart. You're not after God's own heart. Maybe, oh, but I'm here, Pastor. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're after God's own heart. Maybe you're after pleasure. You're after money. You're after success. It's crazy how all of us are after something, but the one thing you have to be most after about is God's own desire. God's own heart. And when you are a man or a woman after God, and after God's own will, and you're going to put God first and not yourself, and it's God first and you second, God said, that's a person I can bless. That's a person I can use. That's a person that I will make into what I want them to be. So David was anointed king because, well, first of all, he was a man after God and his desire. So Samuel comes by and he anoints him to be king. And then something horrible happens. Horrible. Samuel leaves. David goes back out to the shepherd field. It wasn't like God just said, Samuel, I need you to go to that house, bust open the door, anoint David and say, let's go. You're going to be king. Let's go to the kingdom. No. Samuel went over the house anointed him and said, God has a plan for your life and a destiny. God's going to make you into a king. You're going to be a mighty leader. Okay? Okay. See you in 15 years. That's what happened. 15 years. Could you wait 15 years for God's plans? Some of you can't wait a month. But David went back to the fields. He went back to the dysfunctional family. He went back to the broken home. He went back to the meaningless life. Why? Because God said, now that I've anointed you, I've given you a vision. And some of you here today, God has given you a vision. God has given you a dream. God has painted you a picture of what he wants for your life, but it's so far from where you're at right now. 
and it happens. David was anointed, but waited 15 years. And you ask yourself, well, why? It's because God takes, breaks, and makes. So David said, Lord, I'm yours. Okay, David, now that I can take you, I got to break you. And it's going to take 15 years. If God has given you a desire and a vision for your life, he does that first. He's not, it's not because he's unfair. It's because he wants you to stay motivated through the seasons of breaking. Through the seasons that God says it's going to be hard. I thought about when we first started this church, God has given us a vision and a plan and a desire. But through all these years as a church, my God has been breaking us. Breaking us bad. But as I look back those years, I'm not the same pastor that started. You're not the same people that were alongside with me. Because that's what breaking does. God says, I look at the heart, I don't look at the outside. And maybe on the outside, you don't think that it's going to line up to what God wants for your life because it's pretty ugly, it's pretty nasty, it's pretty boring, I don't understand. Do not consider your past. Do not consider your family, your inability. God said, I want you to focus on your heart. If you would come after me and let me take you and break you, I will make you into the greatest death you've ever seen. That's my will and my desire. This is what God does. And it's pretty unfair, I think, sometimes, but it really isn't. God gives you a picture. Like this popcorn box. It, when you look at this, it tells you what it is. This picture is only giving you a picture of the end result, the end product. And that's what God does. He gives you a vision, a dream of the end product. But when you open it, does this look like this? Do you think it's unfair? You're saying, God, wait a minute. This is a vision I had for my life. This is what I pictured, but this is where I'm at. And it doesn't look like I'm exact. Am I in the will of God? Because it doesn't look like. So when David went back to the shepherd fields, but with this vision in his mind of being king, it didn't look right. It didn't feel right. But you see, God says, before I can. Fulfill this vision for your life. I need to take you. And what do you do with this? Well, you put it in the microwave. And, and for a moment, I want you to notice something. It's dark. See, sometimes God puts you through a dark season. And a dark season is when you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's next. You, you don't know what's coming. Some of you, you're in a dark time in your life. And it's quiet. And I'm standing there. And I'm there, but the popcorn, if it, was, if it had a personality, it would say, where are you? I don't see you. It's dark and you, why is it so quiet? Why aren't you speaking? Can I get a witness? How many of you have gone through that dark season in your life? God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, nothing makes sense. God, I don't hear you. Lord, just, just show, give me a, do something, Lord. Lord, do something. And God does this. This is hard. This is uncomfortable. I don't like this. 
But see, I'm putting this through a process. And it takes time. And God knows exactly how much time he needs to place you in that season you're in right now. But see, we don't understand it, but God does. And we say, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't like this. Why does God do that? Because it has to go through a process. It has to go through time. It has to go through heat. The heat is creating pressure inside that popcorn kernel. That pressure is doing something good, not bad. Because every popcorn kernel has water inside. The heat make, makes the popcorn, the water inside that kernel evaporate. As the water begins to evaporate, the steam creates pressure. That pressure becomes more and more and more intense. And when the pressure is too much to bear, it breaks. And when it breaks, it becomes what it's meant to be. That's what a breakthrough is. And say, God, give me a breakthrough. He says, I am. Well, let me explain something. We say, God, give me a breakthrough because we don't know what a breakthrough is. We think a breakthrough is when it's over and I won and I survived and I got through it and I got through the hard times and I'm successful and now I have a breakthrough. That's not a breakthrough. You know what a breakthrough is? It's the very beginning of that trial when God says, I'm going to break you so that you can get a breakthrough. That's why I'll put you in a job you don't like. That's why I'll put someone in your life you don't like. That's why I'll put you through seasons that you get betrayed, you get lied about, you go through people, you go through trials, things happen that are unfair, and you're saying, God, where's my breakthrough? He's saying, you're experiencing it. David would have to go through a season of darkness. Then he'll have to go through 15 years. When God set David's timer, he said 15 years. And it's going to get hot. It's going to get a lot of pressure. It's going to be uncomfortable, David. But in the end, when I'm breaking you, boy, you're going to have a breakthrough. And you're going to see that you become the man you've envisioned that I've given you that vision. You'll become the man I've called you to be. You want a breakthrough in your life? Then say, Lord, take me. Break me to make me. See, sometimes before the Lord can bring you into your destiny, before the Lord can bring you, He needs to break you. You want God to bring you, but you don't want to be broken of your past. You don't want to be broken of habits. You don't want to be broken in enemy. That God has to break some habits in you. God has to break some mindsets in you. God has to break some attitudes in you. God has to break some patterns of sin in your life. And God says, in order for me to break that out of you, I got to put you through a process of time and pressure. But in the end, when you have a breakthrough, That popcorn kernel doesn't ever go back to being a kernel. That's complete transformation. Do you want that for your life? You want a complete transformation that you're able to look back and say, man, I'm not that person anymore, but I'm exactly who God has called me to be. If you want that, you say, Lord, take me. And break me. So you will make me. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. That's us. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, thanks God, many kinds. 
Because you know that the testing of your faith is developing perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. God says, consider it a moment of joy when you're in the microwave. When things are tough and you're under pressure and things are hot right now and heated and it's, you're just feeling it right now and you're upset and you're angry and you're lonely and you're bitter and you're saying, good, I don't understand this. God says, you better have joy in those seasons because it's producing in you. It's, you see, it's testing your faith. That word testing literally means to purify with fire. See, what you would do in that culture is you would get gold and put it in intense fire. And the pressure of that fire will bring all the impurities out. And it, the, the goldsmith would get the impurities, remove it in order to make that gold valuable. See, your trials is God bringing out of you what doesn't belong anymore. He's removing the sin and the habits and the mindsets and the attitudes that are not going to align with the calling He has for your life. So He allows us as a church to go through pressure, to go through trouble, to bring out the impurity so He can remove it. And when does He stop that? The goldsmith will stop doing that when He's able to see His reflection on the gold. You know when God takes you out of a trial once and for all? When you reflect Him. That He begins to take off all the unnecessary things in your heart to the point that you begin to look like Him. And you become who God has called you to be. God allows you to go through these trials because yes, he's given you a vision, but before he can bring that vision into provision, he has to put you in submission. A time of trial where, where you say, Lord, I'm getting under your authority. You do what you need to do in my heart because I know you're allowing this in my life to become the man or woman you've called me to be. So he'll put you in that trial and set the timer. And as he allows you to go through these times of trials and difficulties and pressure, in the end, your breakthrough happens. So you go from this to this. Never to go back to this. Because it literally breaks through. We say, Lord, I don't like this time in my life. I don't like this season in my life. But see, the real question is, can you trust him? Because God will allow you to go through times of trial, betrayal, difficulty, loneliness, pressure to break you in order to make you. So as he allows you to go through these times of trial, you have to be careful and avoid these two prayers that are a huge mistake. Huge mistake. If you're going through a dark season or a season of great pressure and heat, avoid these two prayers that will ruin your life. Number one, stop praying this. Lord, give it to me now. Guilty, anyone? Liars. 
Lord, I think I'm ready for it. Guilty? Lord, I, I want it now. Where is it? I, I need it now. Lord, I can't take this anymore. I need it now. It's interesting because some of you don't want to go through trouble in life. You want to go trouble free. Awesome. God says, okay. I have a vision for your life, but because I'm a loving God, I'm not going to put you through hard times. I love you. So I'm going to make sure no one ever mistreats you. No one ever betrays you, lies about you. I'm going to make sure that you never have pressure. I'm going to make sure you're never stressed. I'm going to make sure you never have trouble. I'm not going to put you. See, if I would say that to this popcorn and say, because I love you so much, I'm not going to put you in the microwave. I'm going to just get it now. I want the popcorn now. What happens? Mmm, yum. No, but I want it now, okay? God says, here, have it now. If you order popcorn in the movie theater and they handed you this, what would you say? You would say, what is this? I can't eat this. And you know what God would say to you? What is this? I can't use this. And you want it now. But you still have a lot of popping to do. You still got a lot of growing to do. But God, I want it now. And a lot of us, we leave our lives in a big mess. Because you couldn't wait. You just needed it now. That's not being a man or a woman after God's own heart. Because when you say, God, I'm after what you want, that means, Lord, whatever time it takes, I'll do it. But see, when we want it now, we do these things that are not after God's own heart. We do what we want, and we do it now. And sometimes we do what we want, and we say this is what God wants. I want them now. I want it now. And you're left with a huge mess. The second prayer you should never pray. Lord, get me out. Get me out of this. Get me out of this trial. Lord, get me out of this problem. No, don't pray that. You have to say, Lord, use this problem. Use this trial. For your glory. See, if I, if I would get back to it and put the popcorn in there, and that popcorn would say, ah, get me out! And say, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know what you'll have? Oh, you'll have some popcorn. But I'll tell you this. There's still a lot of kernels in here that haven't developed, that haven't become what they were called to be. So when you say, God, get me out of this right now, and God say, if God would say, yeah, I'll take it out right now, you might be asking God to take you out too early, and you won't develop and mature and grow and become the man or woman God has called you to be. Don't ever pray now. Don't ever pray, get me out. Just say, Lord, I trust you. So when God allows you to go through these times of test and trial, God knows exactly how long you need to be in it. And when the time comes, the doors will open and he will bring you out. He will bring you out. And then you'll be the person God has called you to be. So we can't be impatient. 
and say, Lord, use this for your glory. God put David under so much pressure through his family, his enemies. When David went back to the shepherd field after being anointed king, a bear and a lion attacked him for crying out loud. Where was the bear and the lion before the anointing? Wasn't there. After he got anointed, Rawr! Ah, why am I going through this? Because this lion and this bear is going to help you to defeat this giant that's in the future. See, God, God knows. God knows why you have to go through what you go through. But David must have said, what are the odds a bear and a lion take my sheep away? God, I don't understand this. But when he was facing that giant, he said, you know, this reminds me of that bear and that lion. So David was able to go back to his past and see how God used it for his glory. God's using what you're going through now. But you've got to trust him. God put David under so much pressure. He became something great. But David wasn't perfect. We know that. Some of you sinners, you're saying, wait, David, if he was after God's own heart, why do you have an affair? Being after God's own heart doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But because David was after God's own heart, when he sinned and committed that affair, his own heart after God said, I got to repent, I got to change, and he ran back to God. But David was honest. Psalm 55, verse 1. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore me. You know what David said? There were seasons in my life I felt ignored by God. And I know this is true in some of your lives. I feel ignored, God. Why? The reason he felt ignored is because David was going through a time of darkness. Couldn't see God. Couldn't hear God. And David says, Lord, are you there? Why are you ignoring me? Have you forgotten about me? Help, God, help! And God stayed quiet. Lord, please, please answer me. Say something. And God stayed quiet. Why? He's in the dark. I'm overwhelmed. That word overwhelmed literally means to press down. What happens when you press something down? Pressure. God said, David, I'm here, but it's about to get worse. I'm overwhelmed by all my troubles. I'm overwhelmed. Verse 11, he says, and he starts making wrong conclusions. Everything is falling apart. Apart from what? The vision he had. This doesn't look like I'm going to be king because I'm hiding in the cave. Saul's trying to kill me. My brothers have betrayed me. A lot of these soldiers want to kill me. I'm alone. I have trouble in my marriage. My wife left me for another king. This is all in the Bible. God is falling apart. And God was there laughing. He only knew. It's all getting together. Threats and cheating are rampant on, in these streets. And yet in the end, David became the king that God envisioned him to be. Because when you're a man after God's own heart, God says there comes a time 
that because you went after me, because you wanted to do my will, my desire, because it wasn't about you, you survived the time of darkness, you survived the times of pressure, and now I'm about to open the doors for you. And I'm about to bring you out. So that when God brings you out, you're able to say, wait a minute. You mean to tell me all of that did this? Do you see why? You have to remain faithful to God in the dark times, in the times of pressure. Let me close by asking you this, church. You want to be who God has created you to be? Let me ask you this question. What are you after? What are you really after today? Is it after God? No, I'm after my career. Why? Because I'm after money. Why? Because I'm after things. Why? Because I want to be happy. Well, then you're really after happiness. It's the pursuit of happiness. But when you become a man or a woman in pursuit of God, God will bring you to a place of destiny. Let's pray. Father, we don't understand what we're going through. We understand that we're in times of trial and pressure in our church, in our country. But Lord, you remain faithful. You have the perfect timing for all of us. So thank you that our breaking is bringing a breakthrough. Help us to trust your timing. In Jesus' name, let's all stand to our feet to stay in prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. You're here today, you're saying, God, my heart is not after yours. It's all about me, what I want. I want it now. Repent of that. As David did, he said, create in me a new heart, O Lord. Maybe God has to renew all of our hearts as a church and say, Lord, I want to come after you through the trials, through the darkness, through the hard times. I want to experience a breakthrough. I want to be the man and the woman you've called me to be but I know that there's things in my life you need to break me from. There's ways of thinking and sin in my life you need to break me from, Lord. But Lord, take me. Wherever you want, take me. Break me. And make me, I'll trust you. If that's your honest to God prayer, you show me your hands today. Come on, God bless you all around the room, all around, every, almost everyone. If you call Forward Fellowship your home, today I pray for you. I pray for you every Sunday, do I not? Every Sunday. I'm not praying for you today. You take this message, you take it home, you pray for yourself. But I felt so strongly about this. That today and only today, let's pray for our church. Let's all make our way to this altar to surrender this church to God. If you call forward your home, come to this altar today. Come on. Some of you have been with me through the dark, the pressure, the tough times for years, some for months, weeks, or days. We've gone through darkness as a church. We've gone through pressure as a church. But we have to remember, this is God's church. We make the mistake where we say, oh, that's my church. This is my church. No, this is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. 
So we're going to pray a, a, a different prayer. We're going to ask God to take our church. We're going to ask God to break us as a church. We're going to ask God to make us to the church he's called us to be. I believe in breakthroughs. And we weren't even aware of it, but we are in the midst of a breakthrough as a church. Not because, oh, I feel it. We're about to get out of this. We're about to get our own building. We're about to do this. No, we're in a breakthrough. The day I said, yes, Lord, I will plant this church, God gave us a breakthrough. He started breaking us. And we're going to get through it. And be the church he's called us to be. Let's pray. Surrender it to the Lord. In an act of surrender, let's lift our hands up today. I promise it's a two-part message. Next Sunday, I'll pray for you, but it's not about you right now. It's about what God wants, a man after his own heart. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for the honor of being a pastor. Boy, has it been hard. I want to thank you for my family, my mom, my dad, my brothers. I want to thank you for Frankie, for Jerrica. I want to thank you, Lord, for the people that have stood by us through the pressure, through the dark times, for the leaders, the volunteers. I want to thank you, Lord, that we have a church we can worship in. We have a church we can get your word through, Father, because the church today is struggling all around America Lord we are crying for the church that you have called it to become but it's not what it is so Father I pray in the name of Jesus and through the power of your Holy Spirit take our church do what you want do what you want and we will stand in faith. We will trust you. And we will go after you. And I pray as you break us. That you would use what we've gone through and what we'll continue to go through. To fur your glory. Use it to develop our church. And I thank you, Father, that through it all, through the darkness, through the pressure, through the breaking, you have been faithful, God. You have provided when we had nothing. You have spared us from so much more than we deserve. So, Father, take us. Break us and make us to the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Amen.